talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to this week's episode of the Artist Interview, where I, Gordon T., your host, get to interview well, amazing and talented people from the world of contemporary Christian music. And I'm so pleased to say this week we are back over in the States and we're going to be chatting in a moment to none other than Zach Bolan, who is the front man for the band Citizens, who many of you will probably be familiar with, but they've got some great new music and uh, we're going to be listening to some of that, but also hearing his story. So before we chat with Zach, let's hear this just a fantastic track. I really, really like this track a lot and it's called Imagination. the front man of citizens the band has been around for quite a number of years now is it 2010 2011 something like that yeah we've we're on our we started in 2011 so we're at our 10 year mark which is pretty okay crazy. happy happy birthday to you guys Thank so you. can you tell us a bit about your journey why did why did citizens even start and also can you tell us about your personal journey maybe start with that how did you become a christian and how did that lead you into Christian music? I grew up in um, a family that, so my dad died when I was six. And some of the early memories I have of him are him leading our youth choir at the church and um, just being at church. You know, those are some of my early memories with him. And so for as far back as I can remember, God was always a part of my language. And especially once he died, I remember praying a lot. I remember just asking God for so many different things, believing that God was there, that God could do so much. And as the years went on, um, just more understanding came, you know, through experience, through God's kindness, other people's presence in my lives, the hard things, the good things. Um, and I remember when I was 14, I was at my dad's grave actually. And uh, it was just as if the everything had hit me all of a sudden. Um, just the grief. When you're six, you don't really know how to grieve in the same way that you do when you're 14, in the same way that you do when you're 30, at the same way that you, you do when you're 70. So it's always a process that never stops. And for me, that was, I would say, really the beginning of probably grieving in a more healthy way. And that also at my dad's grave was a pretty significant point in which I began to really recognize this significance of God as my father. I mean, I can't remember a time after that, that I wasn't writing music that was about my faith and about my questions and my discoveries and who God was coupled with my life, both the tragedy and loss of my dad, but also like all the other wonderful and really hard things that, that came with that. So I just have music and faith have really been a part of me for such a, a for my whole life. And even though I've had some less than wonderful church experiences along the way, some great, some pretty hard, which I think is true for a lot of people. Um, I still find uh, so much just joy and purpose in doing what we're doing. And so when Citizen started, I moved to Seattle 10 years ago. I met 
um, a handful of the guys that are currently in the band within the first week. Wow. That's fortunate. Yeah. It's, it was pretty crazy. So we met at church. I was a worship director at this church for a bit. Um, it was called Mars Hill. I would, I would love to chat with you about Mars Hill, but don't break the flow for now. Okay. Carry on. Yes. Yes. We will get to that. So, um, so at Mars Hill, I was a worship director. It was primarily a college age, uh, church. And so we, every, um, church, one of the really unique distinctives about Mars Hill was that there wasn't necessarily a worship leader with a rotating cast of musicians. It was pretty much everyone had a band. So there might be four or five, six bands at each church. And so I was tasked with starting one of those bands and that's how citizens started. We, our first uh, thing was rearranging hymns. And from there we shared those online to our surprise, people really liked them and connected with them. And so someone at Mars Hill said, hey, you guys should make an EP. And so we made an EP. And then to our surprise, people liked it. And then we made a record. And all that was really, really great. And then, of course, if anyone's followed uh, Podcast World any time in the past year, Mars Hill ended. And that was really hard and sad. Maybe, maybe we should just give some context to Mars Hill for a sec, because... A lot of people uh, that are listening probably do know a bit about Mars Hill, but there's also going to be quite a few listeners who, who've never heard the name Mars Hill, even over here, maybe in the UK. Um, so Mars Hill was, was a, a big mega church um, out in Seattle. Um, the, the pastor who's famous from the church for, for many reasons is Mark Driscoll, who I've got to say, I, I have listened to um, his teaching on numbers of subjects, and I, he's a gifted teacher. And um, I loved his series on Jonah. It was it was great. And one of the things that Miles Hill did really well was use the web and social media and mm. podcasting. Uh, it was ahead of its time on those sorts of things. And it went multi-site in a really quite amazing way. Now, but things didn't all go smoothly. If it's okay for me to... to you, did you Were you on staff there? Yeah, I was. Okay. And what, what was your actual role in the church? I was a worship director. And then for the last year of being there, I was an elder at the church. Okay. And when, when did you finish? I finished in 2000, June of 2014. Was it January 2015 that all of the Mars Hill sort of stopped and became not Mars Hill, but became whatever? Because there were lots of different sites and they could just carry on. Is that, am I understanding that right? That's absolutely correct. Okay. Would you be happy to share a bit about your story yeah. of what happened with you mm-hmm. and what God did as well to take you through it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, everybody has a different perspective. I think about this a lot. Um, I'm a dad of four kids and I just, you know, even growing up with the two brothers, I mean, you could experience the same exact thing uh, and yet have very different ex- experiences and understandings of what was happening. And so for me, I moved to Seattle to be a part of Mars Hill, not so much because of Mark Driscoll. Um, He wasn't really someone that I was following beforehand. And that might not seem that noteworthy, but it is in 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 this case, because so many people moved to Seattle because to, to go to Mars Hill because of Mark. For us, our big draw was some friends that lived in Seattle that also happened to be a part of the church. And of course, once we got there, um, we became really immersed in the culture there. And there was a lot of really great things that came from that, including the band. Yep. Which, I mean, just incredibly still lives on. And we're really grateful for that. Um, 
but you know, I had had a couple stops at other churches. I never really planned on working in the church. It just kept happening. <laughs> so I was definitely, there were a lot of things about Mars Hill that um, I didn't totally understand, but then there were other things and, and some, uh, quite a good bit of things I didn't fully agree with, but there were a lot of things too, that were really new for me. Um, it was the first church I'd ever been a part of that really saw that the worship leader role was more than just a person who sang songs, uh, but saw them as a shepherd and someone that really did pastor people and lead them through just theology and the Bible and telling stories and all these different things. It was such a, it was such a radical thing for me to step into that. So that is one thing that I didn't even realize was something I was missing. And now it's such a part of who I am that I'm forever grateful for the culture that was there because of it. Um, but then of course, as time went on, there were, there were, th by the time I'd got there, there was already a lot of things bubbling under the surface. It just hadn't come to the top yet. So um, within a year or so of being there, there were some pretty hard things that were happening, all of that. And of course, I mean, if you listen to the podcast or read any of the, the news that came out, there's just a lot of different scandal around money and uh, just abuse of power with anger and all of these things, um, as disheartening as they were, we really felt a sense that we're meant to continue being here until... Um, probably about six months before the church ended, it, it just became really clear that I was having a lot of people come to me saying, well, we know that if you're still here, then at least there's somebody that can still speak into all this. And what I think a lot of people didn't realize is that Marcel was a big church. Well, they knew that part, but that there was so much distance that Mark had put between the staff and him that there really wasn't an easy path toward just a conversation with someone. Uh, in the leadership team even. And, and I, and despite my attempts and tries, it, it, it just wasn't possible. And so I started to feel like, you know what, I think being here in this role is sending a message that of fault of, of like a false hope. And I don't want to give that um, coupled with, I just felt like there was a lot of propaganda being used. Um, I can remember my last Sunday looking out, seeing people crying <laughs> really sad, wanting answers. Someone had just been fired in a way that was just really wrong. Um, and I remember looking out at people, they're crying. And then there's this video on the screen that's essentially about how great Mars Hill is and look at everything we're doing and everything that's been done. And I just was like, man, this is such a distraction and such an, um, it's so insensitive to the fact that people are really hurting, but that hurt is not being even validated or addressed. And I just realized that there, there's just, I think we're, we're past the point of, of any sort of um, correction. And so, and I think that was just the spirit, just giving that insight. And then it turned out that that was true. And that was really sad and a hard thing to, to embrace. And of course the aftermath from it all, a lot of friends that really wrestled for a long time with the church. Some of them have come back to feeling safe enough to be in a church again. Some people have really struggled with faith in general, but there's been a lot of people where it lives on because I was telling someone this the other day, I think it's that the priesthood of all believers was much stronger than anyone realized that even though Mark was the face of Mars Hill and at even by his own admission, 
he he wanted it that way. He wanted he called himself the brand, which is a really wild thing to think about. And to to think that he's no he's gone, you know, he's no longer Marcel is no longer a church, but those the community and relationships that were 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 happening there that they live on. I just think that that's such a beautiful picture of the priesthood of all believers that the church is not dependent upon a, a few, but it's dependent upon all of us participating in that. And so I, I've just been really encouraged by that. And yes, it did affect, affect me in a lot of hard ways. We have put out records that sort of have where I've been dealing with my own sort of wrestling through a lot of that. But overall, I mean, I feel like now and all the years since I'm able to look at it from the perspective of there were things that were really positive that shaped who I am. I mean, so many friends and things in my life now that wouldn't exist without it. And I'm grateful for the hard stuff because I just learned so many valuable lessons through it that I can pass on to my kids and to any, you know, to any church communities that we're ever part of. And there's no winners in this. And everyone, everyone comes away, I think, hurt. And also there's a real shame about it from a point of view of for people outside the church, when they hear about these things happening, they go, oh, look, the church has got all these problems, blah, blah, et cetera. And it's a shame that it's a shame. It really is a shame that it happened, but also um, in the middle of it, God's still doing stuff. God knew right from the start that this was what was going to happen in Mars Hill, and he still let it run its course, which I guess shows some of God's kindness in, in allowing us to mess up and make mistakes um, and make our own choices and things. But uh, from it, you've, you, you left Mars Hill. Where did you go? What, what happened at that moment? Where Were you and your, your wife in the middle of going, now what? What did you feel God saying in it? You know, the first thing that we really felt when we were realizing it's time for us to leave was that we both felt this really deep conviction that it, we were not meant to just go find another job at a church in order to pay the bills. Cause that's really what it would have been. It would have been, we're leaving this church. Oh man, we got to, what are we going to do? All right, let's find another job at a church. Um, that, that didn't feel right to us. Cause even though we weren't going to be a part of Marcel, we still felt that it was necessary for us to be in the community and available to people. And so we just trusted that God would show us what that was meant to look like. And in the end, we landed on doing citizens full-time. And that's been a really sweet thing for us over these years. Um, and of course, we found a church to be a part of that was really sweet. They were great from the beginning of just recognizing that they were a church that was probably going to need to be a hospital for the next couple of years of a lot of people hurting and coming in. And they operated as that in a really beautiful way. Um, listened to us, supported us. Our first weekend, we showed up at this church two weeks after we left Mars Hill. They, they, uh, they were doing a retreat as a church and they, they're just like, Hey, just want to let you know, we paid for your family. <laughs> we want you guys to join. And just, I mean, how could you say no to that? I mean, at first it's like, I don't want to go on a, a retreat with a bunch of people I don't know, but um, it wound up being a really important and special thing. I think the biggest thing I realized in that time was they were they, different from Mars Hill. Mars Hill was especially, and I think this happened sadly, but more than we'd like, but I think it was sort of became really this culture of uniformity where everyone needs to talk and think the same way. And to go where to go to go to another church that actually had a very similar sort of theological background as Mars Hill, but had a little bit more patience with people. And so it allowed us the space to be able to grieve 
and to ask questions, but not to be pushed out because of those questions, but rather really just to be listened to. And it's amazing to me. I feel like so many of our problems with church a lot of times would probably feel a little less, not that they're not as significant, but they might lose a little less of the the sting if we just, if there were more spaces provided to us just to talk about that stuff and be listened to. Yeah. I imagine a lot of people leave churches with pain in their hearts, which possibly yes. with more conversation and maybe more openness from leaders could, could be avo- avoided. So what advice would you have for people who are listening, who themselves have been hurt within the church? Maybe particularly people listening who actually at this time aren't attending a church at all, maybe because of those hurts. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest part for me that I had to realize was that the hope of the world is Jesus. It's not even necessarily the church. The church is the result of Christ. We exist because of Christ just from the very beginning. I mean, scripture tells us that all things were created through Jesus. You know, John in the first in his gospel talks about, you know, Jesus as the word, Jesus is the one who all things are made through. And then of course we we know the story of Christ who who dies and is and raised again and ascends to heaven and promises his spirit to always be with us. All of that to me is what the hope of of the world is, is that Christ is has brought in himself is the kingdom, but also is living amongst us as the kingdom of God. And that there is so much brokenness and hurt in the church. I mean, you, you read in scripture and it didn't take them very long to get sideways in different aspects. And so for, I would just say for anybody that's struggling with the church or struggling to want to be a part of it, I, I would just say that, because we don't we don't need to lose lose hope in Jesus i think it means we don't also don't need to lose hope in each other because christ is in us especially those who want to follow jesus and so to see it as an opportunity to find those people who you can talk with because the worst thing you can do is just surround your pe- yourself with only people who are hurt because then healing never happens and i think that the best thing is to just be able to talk about it and talk about it hopefully with people that can understand a little bit of where you're coming from, but also a willingness to ask questions and maybe even push back in, in ways that you hadn't considered. And I know that there are people out there like that. So I would just say, uh, don't, don't give up on the opportunity to still be a part of a community again, knowing that there is hurt and knowing that we are all people desperately in need of Jesus and uh, finding the perfect church is never going to happen. <laughs> so I think that um, it really comes down to walking in the light with each other. I think that's what makes the church the just the one of the brightest and best things in the world is when we're truly walking in the light of Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I hope that's an encouragement to some of our listeners right now that there is, there is always hope uh, in the middle of things. It doesn't matter how bad things have been. God still has a plan that can bring things actually to be a positive situation, be used for his glory. And uh, so yeah. don't don't lose hope, folks. Um, okay, so there you are. You've decided to go full time. 
so the band's already got some music out there. It's got a bit of reputation. What does going full-time mean, though? How, how does that work out for everybody? Ooh, that is a great question. <laughs> there was a lot of growing pains in that. Um, as you, I mean, I'm, maybe, I'm, as you can imagine, coming out of Mars Hill, for anybody that was paying attention to it, we're pretty intrigued by it. So we had a lot of people that were really interested in working with us coming out of Mars Hill. Um, you know, but what I quickly learned was that um, I was starting out as a dad of three kids to do the full-time music thing and just realized that if we're going to make this work, we can't, it can't be a sprint. It's got to be a marathon because we want to have our relationships intact when all this is said and done. We want our families to still love us and for there to be health there. And so honestly, it was just a lot of trial and error. It was trying to, you know, going with the booking agent to being our own booking agent, having a music label to not to choosing to release music independently, back to a music label, back to a booking agent, back to a manager, all these different things. And I feel so grateful for it, despite many of the failures along the way. I think we've been able to learn a lot and discover a, a way to do this that works for us and doesn't have to necessarily sacrifice our families on the altar of, you know, whatever success is, right? But just being content. I remember pretty soon after Mars Hill ended and we decided, hey, let's do the band full time. We were in Colorado playing a, a camp or a conference and we were having this meeting one night as a band to discuss this. And I remember one of the guys in the band said, you know, I think if this is going to work, we just have to have this mentality that, you know, nothing is a stepping stone to something bigger, but rather we have to just take everything we get with uh, a grateful heart. And if it means a song does really well, great. If it means an album releases and it doesn't, but there's still all kinds of amazing stories that come from it, great. If we get to play the biggest show, great. If we don't, great. But just trying to stay in a place of, of really being thankful for all the things that God brings us. And I really do think that's why we're six albums and 10 years later and a bunch of EPs that we're still going because we have really had each other to hold, to keep us accountable to that original um, desire. And I guess being together, you're pretty close as a band because you journeyed all this way. Yeah. Can, can you tell us about some of the highs of being together as a band? Oh, yes. Um, well, I mean, of course, I, I mean, one of the biggest highs for me is just the fact that our band even exists, <laughs> because when we got together, everybody listened to very different music. I remember our first couple rehearsals, it was just, you know, I think some, someone went on for four or five hours and it was just like, what are we doing? And I always celebrate what we make because it is such a hard process to make music with other people. You know, everyone has different tastes and stuff. So for me, that's been a huge win. And then bigger than just making music is the stories that you hear from people. Um, I am just continuously amazed by how many people will come up to me or anyone in the band and share how a song really impacted them without knowing my story behind where that song came from or anyone else in the band. And to see the parallels there. I just think that's such an amazing thing about music, um, that I, especially music that is dealing in matters of faith in Jesus. 
another big win for us is just that we're still friends. <laughs> I feel like I've known so many bands that have, um, ah, oh, it's just ended in a really hard way. And I really hate that. And I've been grateful that we've really just valued that and pursued that all these years. And then of course, just, I mean, we've been able to travel so many cool places. I mean, still to this day, um, some of our biggest wins, I guess you could say, are some that are unexpected, some that you might expect, like certain shows like in Sydney, Australia or something like that, going there and be like, wait, people like us here, you know, uh, and that being a really cool thing. But then, of course, little wins, too. I mean, just the other day we were playing something for a church that is primarily Russian and Ukrainian, and they've been in, in California driving down to the Mexican border, helping Ukrainian and Russian refugees just in the midst of the crisis and the war there. And there's just a completely different culture and we're there leading music for them in the midst of some of these kids who don't even speak English, but are coming out of just something really, really challenging and hard. Maybe they've lost a parent to the war. And that was a pretty surreal moment. And it was with, 200 people, you know? So it's, I think that that's the thing is there's so many wins and it's just not because it's the wins aren't just, uh, can't only be defined by what maybe we would typically look at as success from a number standpoint, but rather I think it just comes down to the story, you know, and yeah. people. Is there, is there a time when you've met someone at one of your shows you're doing and the thing they've told you has just stood out? as being extraordinary, the impact of your music or some of that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is we were playing a show one time in Ohio. And we, we our third record's called Amir Dimly. And the whole record, I mean, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about uh, Paul's, I mean, that's the big kind of classic love chapter, right? But then he talks about our viewpoint of God and how right now it's, we only see in part. It's kind of hazy, but one day we'll see in pool and in full. So right now we're seeing through this. There's all kinds of different translations. A mere darkly, a mere dimly, a mere dimly lit. And so that record was all about just asking questions and doubt. And then you get to the end of it and realizing I can doubt my doubts, uh, some of them, and uh, to understand and come to the realization that I'm loved no matter what. And we, on that tour, we decided we're going to play this whole record from beginning to end. And I remember by the end of that, of the set, we played some other songs too. We left the stage and this girl came up to us and I noticed while we were playing, it was kind of the way the room was set up. I noticed she was sitting down the whole time um, on the ground and, and she came up to us and what we didn't know is she was just in tears the whole time. And she said, I think, She's like, I don't even know why I'm here tonight. I, my friend, never. I'm not like, I don't go to church. I don't know. My friend just said, hey, you want to come hang out with me tonight? I'm seeing these bands play. And so I just agreed to, and just I just sat here in tears the whole time. And I think I'm a Christian now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is just the power of your music and the lyrics and God ministering yeah. through it, isn't it? How cool is that? Right. And I mean, for her in just this really innocent way that isn't all like the words put together, it's just like, I think, I think I want to follow Jesus now. I just, I will always remember that. That stands out to me as such a profound moment. And just a reminder that 
that all these songs that are being written that are shared being shared throughout the world by so many they really do have a purpose and there's so many stories we don't get to hear like that you know but they're they're happening i was i was thinking exactly the same if you've got one example that you know of there must be many many more times when that's happened uh, and it's you never get to hear about it at all but um but people people just giving their lives to jesus uh, as they get impacted by by the lyrics and the music you guys are, are producing it's fantastic so we've got we've got another track to play from you um so which is called everything and more tell us the backstory to that yeah you know i mean it's such a it really i, I feel like it's such a great summary of what we've been talking about um I, you go on these journeys and I think the human, our human, human tendency is to swing the pendulum. Oh, this thing was really hard. Let me go to the completely other side so I can do something to make sure that thing doesn't happen again. And you swing the pendulum and hopefully over time you find yourself somewhere in, in the middle. And I feel like the past few years, I've been really striving to live in that space, which is this understanding of having lived in multiple worlds, even within just like different theological traditions within the church, within even evangelicalism and seeing that there is a lot of ways in which we create these boundaries for God to live in. And uh, I mean, all it takes is just a little casual stroll through the scriptures and you start to see that's not possible. <laughs> it's not possible to contain God. And that's not even really the point. Um, and I think that for me, everything and more is such a celebratory song about admitting these, the ways in which I create these walls and these, and these, these boundaries that I want God to live in. And then inevitably when crisis comes, this small box that I've tried to fit God in, turns out that that God isn't actually big enough, that God is God is bigger than this God that I've tried to sort of create. And I think that's the part for me that's so wild is that there's so much unlearning that we have to do continuously of just recognizing the fact that there is so much we don't understand about God. And yet God gives us access to himself. And I think one of the primary ways he does that is through each other, like through you and I, like you sharing your story, me sharing my story. All of a sudden I learned something either that reinforces something that I believe about God, or I learned something new that I didn't know about God's character. And I think that grows our faith and that expands these walls and these boundaries that we create and helps us to see that there actually is no boundary to who God is. And so we can either yeah. see that as that means there's a lot, of, I don't know, of course, because there's a lot that I don't, I don't know. And we can see that as a, a closed door and we hang our head and we walk away, or we can see it as an open door and we walk through it. And I don't, I'm sure it's been like this for you, but there's so many times where I've prayed for things and there is no answer. And then I just get the sense I'm meant to just trust God and push through. And I get through that. I don't know door. And at some point I do get an answer, but it winds up being something that maybe is even different than the thing that I was praying for, but it turns out to be exactly what I needed and better than what I even had in mind. And that has certainly been the case for me in faith. And I think that's really what this song is getting at, is that God is everything and whatever words we can come up with. And then there's, and then God's even more than that, more than the words that, more than we can even fully express and describe God is even more than that. Deep and deep, brighter than bright, more than 
So in the video for everything and more, and and also in in the sound for it, there's there's a child's voice. Who who's child's that? Okay. So the great story about this is uh, when I first when the song had been written. Uh, Taylor Linhart, she's a writer in the song too. Oh, we've we've had her on the show. She's from Mission House. Yes, yes. So Taylor and I were writing the song together, and I thought I'm going to make a quick voice memo of it on my piano at home, and then this way we have it. And in the background are my two boys that at the time would have been three and five. They were fighting the entire time. <laughs> They're yelling at each other. And so at the beginning, you can kind of hear one of them say, I said, I said. And so we just chopped up that original voice memo and put it in the song. And then at the very end where he says, don't be so intense. That's my older son yelling at his younger brother uh, to not be so intense. So I just thought after listening to it, the voice memo was for whatever reason, even with the kids yelling in the background was really compelling to everybody. So we thought, let's figure out a way to use it. And it just felt like such a great phrase to end at a song like that. Don't be so intense that let's take a deep breath and see that there is a lot that we just don't really understand and that that's okay. <laughs> and and what better way to have uh, that communicated to us than through a five-year-old? <laughs> I absolutely love that story. I had no idea that yeah. it was just purely one of those crazy yeah. moments that worked so well. That's That's awesome. Fantastic, uh, and 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 are your are your kids pretty proud of the finished product? Oh, they love it. They love. It. In fact, we did a video for everything and more. And this, my son, who's the one saying, "Don't be so intense." He's eight now. He he got to be in the video, so he was pretty pretty excited about that. Yeah, it, it is worth popping onto YouTube and going and searching up everything and more of our systems. It's on their channel. Um, it's a it's a great little video. Okay, so. Thank you so much for all you've shared so far. And thank you uh, for that track, everything and more. It would be really great if right now you were happy to pray for listeners. Yeah, I'd love to. God, I am grateful that you are with us. Um, I also recognize that for so many, a statement like that is easy to understand and to get behind because... They've seen you time and time again uh, with them. And I know that there's others who maybe even right now are struggling to see how that's true for them, that you're with them. And I'm grateful for hindsight and reflection. And I'm grateful for the ability to look back and see what you've done. And so I'm praying today, God, that you would recall to all of our minds just reminders of your grace in our lives that has carried us through. Would you make us, would you open our eyes a bit more to see you around us, to see the ways in which you are working, the ways in which you are answering prayers. Help us to be humble enough to admit that there is so much about you that you are doing that we can't possibly understand and yet after all these years even though in some of the hard stuff i've definitely felt angry and frustrated with you what is so interesting is i can say with confidence as i look back on all that hard stuff despite it's despite the pain i see the necessariness or the, the necessity of it all because 
without it, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't have those people in my life. I wouldn't have the perspective I have. And I think that's true for each of us. And so just don't let us get too far away from that perspective. Remind us that it's it's you and you alone that, that shows us who you are and who we are in you. And I uh, just want to thank you for that. I pray to God that you would bring bring just a confidence in your church throughout the world that yes, there's failure. Yes, there are people that we put in positions of authority and leadership that fail us. And let that, rather than being an opportunity for us to walk away, let it be another opportunity and reminder that we are desperately needy for you and that that will never change and that you are good and kind to stay with us and, and a part of uh, this ministry that is the church globally, that you're, you want to still see it be a fruitful bride. And we're thankful for that and pray that you give us the courage to, to trust you and, and to, to stay the course. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Zach. So right, this new EP that you've got out um, uh, called, what well, tell us about the EP. What's the EP called and when, when's it been released? So it's called A Thousand Shores. Um, it came out, let's see, last Friday. Um, and we better save a date for last Friday because someone could be listening to this at any point in the future. Yes, yes, yes. That would have been July 1st. It came out. Um, July 1st, 2022. 2022. So, yes. So July 1st, 2022. And it is a collection of five songs. Um, and they're all, they're all, they all are connected. And I think the sort of the, the thread that ties it all together is this idea of imagination and this idea that I really wholeheartedly believe, and I'm not saying it's, this is exclusive. I just think it's a part of the parables. I think the parables are really one, are just a one. There's so many of them that are still left uh, unanswered, at least by Jesus. And so we've spent, what, 2,000 years now with so many different perspectives of, I think this is what Jesus is getting at here. I think this is what Jesus is getting at. And I think the thing that I've started to realize is that all of that could be true. And that, and at the same time, some of it could be wrong. In fact, it, it probably is, right? Because no one can be completely sure um, on everything, right? There are certain things that we can be sure about. But I think when we live in this space of needing everyone to explain things for us, the internet does a great job of that for us. We can just Google anything and get the answer we're looking for, even if it's not necessarily the answer we need. <laughs> um, but it supports our argument or whatever. Um, I think it's just causing us to lose a little bit of our imagination and losing a little bit of seeing that so much of faith requires it. How do you believe in a God that you can't see without imagination? How do you trust in the hope of, of heaven and of a new creation without a bit of imagination? How do you envision your parent who has disowned you coming back to Christ, re-embracing you again without imagination? How do you pray for your city to be healed of its violence without imagination? How do you, how do you do any of that without imagining 
a bit of what things could be like. And I think that's what my hope is, is with, and our hope is as a band with a thousand shores is that people would listen to it and find imagination sort of reawakened in them in a way that perhaps it hadn't been in a while. So, so a vision we might write down something, but with imagination, we get to actually see what we're writing about effectively. So, so, and I've got to say this EP to me, didn't sound much like your last album. It sonically sounded to me very different. And it felt yep. it felt like with your last album, um, so the joy of being together. Um, so yep. I like the live version as well, by the way. So they're, they're both great. Um, so it was 2020, 2021, those two came out. They, um, they, they felt like these are things that I would uh, definitely listen to as a Christian and would recommend to, to a Christian friend listen to this. But this EP, although it's... Christian, I, I think I could quite happily also say to a non-Christian, hey, listen to this, I think you'll like it. And they're not going to go, oh, that's just Jesus music straight away. Because it feels a bit like it, the, the lyrics in it, although Jesus is definitely in there in in, um, in A Thousand Shores, but it's it's not it's not fronting. It's, I think it helps people to question and think about things. Would that, is that a deliberate thing you've done or is that just me picking up something that's not there? Absolutely deliberate. And I think the biggest part of it you're you're uh you're 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 touching on a on a sort of behind the scenes thing that we've talked about a lot which is that i we really see this record as a bridge hopefully um between worlds of people that are believing and not believing and that there is this i i just see it I, i've seen it in my own life family friends now that I think the internet especially amplifies our voices in such a way that it can be really helpful and it can also be really hurtful. And I think the hurtful side obviously is toward each other, but I think it to ourselves because it can cause us to sort of isolate into groups of people that only think like we do and that fuel are, are the things that make us angry. And they, they, they sort of reinforce things that maybe need to change in us. And it's not that those communities are all bad, but that is one of the downsides to that. And I think what happens then is you just keep moving further and further away from each other. And our hope is that this record would be the kind of record that causes people to turn back around and see, and that this, this record would sort of be that bridge in the middle. And it's just simply there to walk across and maybe re-engage and re-invite others into relationship in their lives that might be a little different than them. That's our biggest hope. And I, I think really what that comes down to is just believing that. I know we've always felt this way that the, that our, we really feel a, a pull toward not just making music for the church, but making music for people to know who Jesus is and to hopefully propose enough questions and enough space or add, have enough space there for people to be able to process through like that one girl at the show and in Ohio all those years ago, sitting there listening and getting to the end of it and saying, I think I'm a Christian. I think that that is such a huge part of, of what I believe we're meant to do in art and the church and with our faith is to not just be exclusive to one group of people, but to actually be about, um, I guess you could say, uh, I mean, I'm trying not to use a pun here, but <laughs> in a way to sort of bang the drum, if you will, of um, into the world of letting them know that there is still a hope in Christ, but that it doesn't necessarily have to only come through one 
way of one kind of language. I think about that even in terms of, and I, and I think this criticism is fair. I think sometimes people will say, well, I turn on some Christian music or some songs and it sounds like it could be to a girlfriend or it could be to Jesus. Who is it to? And I, I, I sure you could make that case, but I also think there's so many ways we address each other. We don't just always call each other by our name. We don't always call each other. Sometimes they, Hey man, or Hey buddy, or Hey pal, or Hey mate, whatever it is. There's so many ways. And I think that, Oh, as you grow in relationship, you, sometimes you don't even need to address them by name. You just, it's just always available to you to talk to them. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest part. I had this realization a few years ago where I just was like, you know what? It won't always be like this. I don't want to write every song like this. I don't want to live by this law, if you will. But I really would like to strive to write as much as possible as if I'm talking to my neighbor who is an atheist. Like I want to be able to have a, I want this record to be a conversation with them that gets rid of some of the language that we would typically use. And it just be something that it feels like they can enter into a conversation they can enter into. And I am encouraged to hear that you are picking up on that with this record. Cause that's definitely a huge value of ours. Yeah. And I, I, I think you've done it well. Does it cause you any problems with your record label? Are you record label? Cause you're of integrity. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm intrigued about relationships between record labels and artists because right. there's there's always a dynamic that goes on. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a positive one, but sometimes it's complicated, I think it's fair to say. So for you guys, are integrity going, yeah, this is a great direction for you to be all moving in and very supportive? They've been incredibly supportive. Um, it's honestly, I think what's been probably the most significant way that they've shown support is just by trusting us. <laughs> and that has been, I, I can't tell you how meaningful that is because there are a lot of labels that would hear originally when we were talking through all this, that would say, that's never going to work. <laughs> you either got to do the Christian thing or not do the Christian thing, or you got to like take Jesus completely out of your music or there's not enough Jesus. And I just think they've trusted us. And there, and I think that's because of the relationships and the friendships that have been built there over the past few years. And so I feel so grateful. I know we're really, we're feeling really excited. I mean, especially for a label like Integrity, they primarily resource the church with music, um, songs for the church. Um, and that's been their primary focus. And so we're sort of an outlier, if you will, on Integrity. <laughs> but they have been so such a believer in what we're doing. And I think even just a willingness to all of us, like we've had a lot of this conversations, like worship, the way that the church is worshiping, it's, it's, it's less prescriptive and it's more, um, it's, it's more that it's just full of so much variety and it's so dynamic. And so I think that this is an opportunity to, to show another aspect of the dynamics of the way that people are, walking through their faith. And I'm really grateful that they, <laughs> that they've trusted us because we've definitely thrown some wild ideas out there. <laughs> so some good wild ideas. It's, that sounds like a very positive yeah. relationship. So that, that, yes, it, that it, is extremely positive in that way. That is cool. What is it you're going to be working on over the next 12 months? So the EP is out mm-hmm. next 12 months. What's the band doing? Yep. So we're working on, we're wrapping up the new uh, a record that we're going to release at some point over the next six to eight months. 
And uh, that that's feeling really good to us a lot, very much in the vein of a thousand shores. Um, and uh, the songs on it are just, I just think each one on its own has a really just unique approach, but also um, together really kind of, I, I hope serves as that bridge. And I mean, a lot of it too has been, we've sort of envisioned a table every, and at the table there's 12 or 11 seats. Um, each seat is a song. And our goal is to try and get someone new to that table or not even new, just someone to that table. So that around that table are people that are maybe really different from one another, but are finding a, a place of, of peace and, and just, uh, I don't know, an armistice, if you will, <laughs> to kind of put down the weapons and, and hear from each other. That, that is a great goal. And, uh, I'm actually quite excited about hearing, uh, the, the full record. When roughly do you think it's going to come out? Oh, you've got, a, you've got, a, you've got, a, you've got a date in mind that you're aiming for. Okay, so we did, and then we talked today about something that totally changed everything that might push it back in a really good way. So, it's it's probably at this point you're either looking at late fall or early 2023. Okay, okay, so it's something to look forward to a little bit, a little bit down the yes. road at this point yep. in time. Got some time. Okay, yep. uh, and what about going on the road? You've got plans for that. Yes, we do. We, we have plans to go on the road. We actually, we really want to come to the UK so bad. We've never in all of our time played anywhere in Europe, actually. So we're pretty eager to come uh, and just be a part I'm of it. I'm just going to cheer at this point. Like, I, I can hear that there's a lot of people cheering as well. Yay, come to the UK. You should do that. That's, yes. That should be, I yes. think that might be your highest calling right now. Even. Uh, it, 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 it honestly feels like priority number one. It, and it feels so overdue, so overdue. So that is a big deal for us. There are a lot of, honestly, a big goal for us is to get to some places in the world outside the US that we haven't been able to um, in this this coming year so that that's pretty big for us so, so have you that. been to the uk personally numbers of times but just never as a band i have never been to the uk okay so it which is just crazy my wife lived there for a while she was uh she was in an au pair there for about a year and it was near i mean i know it was in london but as far as like where oh, I, I don't know just just say london london will do so I'll just say london. yeah yeah okay so um so so Realistically, do you think next 24 months you'll be able to get to the UK? I, I mean, why not? Let's just write it. You know what? Here's the thing. If you say it's going to happen, then now you're stuck and you got to just do it. And so I'm just going to say we're coming. Oh, yeah. So. Here it goes. Yeah, that, that now it's in the diary. Not an exact date, obviously, but it's in the diary. It's going to happen. Great. You heard, you heard it here first on the artist interview. So, okay. And how does that work with family? And if you're, if you're out on the road, you're going around to different different continents. So um, do you leave your family behind? Do your kids ever get to come with you? Typically they don't come. Um, and a lot of that is because we have intentionally, there have been times where they do come actually. My wife has joined me a handful of times and definitely kids too. But overall, a lot of it is be we've done, we tried to just operate in a way of just because the norm is that you go out for months or weeks in the industry, that doesn't mean that that needs to be our norm. And so we've really tried to um, just, we just, just try and run really hard when we're out and then come home and be present there so that the time apart is as short as possible. And that's always just a huge value of ours. So I would love for my, if we ever did a big like worldwide trip, especially if we came to the UK, I don't know that I'd be able to come without my wife. I don't, 
think she would let me back in the door if I, uh, if I showed up. <laughs> that, well, I, I could, I could see that that's um, an imperative to bring her as well in that case. So that's, that's cool. So has there been a time you've been on the road when, or maybe just any part of your band really, where things have started to go really, really wrong and God has put things right? Oh my goodness. Yes. I feel like we probably have more of the, <laughs> than I'd like to admit. The the one that really stands out to me is I remember years ago we when we were doing things a lot more independently, we'd planned a tour and we'd put all this time and energy into it. And I it was on the heels of also releasing a record independently, and there's so much work that went into it. And I remember getting in the car to go make a run for something. Somebody needed batteries or something like that. So I just said, I'll go get them. And I'm driving off to get them. And the record had just come out. This is probably four or five years ago. Record just come out. And I was just, I just couldn't help but feel like something was all wrong. And I remember, um, and I think what it was, was I was really lonely. I had been, working on this, doing the independent thing and trying to really just prove myself. And I think in the process of it all had done so much that it really burned me out and wore me down. And what was really crazy is we went on these, we went on a tour and did all this stuff and it wasn't really that successful at all. Um, part of it was, I don't know how much people connected with the record. Funny enough, all these years later, I feel like people are really connecting with it. <laughs> But at the time, it didn't have the, it didn't really hit in the way that we hoped it would. And I remember my wife and I talking and just, I just, I was just telling her, I don't know what's ahead for the band, but I just really feel like something's going to change. And I, re and then when you know it, um, a few months after that, a friend calls me and says, Hey, we're going to be in Seattle and we're recording a record and I'd love for you to come sing on it. And I come sing on it and I meet this guy. His name's Andrew Singa, and I'm just talking to him because I was in this group of people and they were all kind of talking about an inside joke that I wasn't familiar with. So I was just sitting there playing guitar and I started playing this guitar riff to this band that I really love, the Cardigans, and the song called Communication. I started, I was just kind of playing around. And then this guy walks up to me and he just says, were you just playing Communication? It's <laughs> like, you know that song? And we get to talking and he's like, I got to go in a few minutes, but tell me about who you are. And I said, well, I'm in Citizens and I've been doing this independently. It's been really hard. And he was just asking questions. He's like, well, I'm with Integrity and I think we could really do some cool things together. Whoa. Okay. Uh, didn't see that coming. And so that was, that was the beginning of that whole instinct of, I think things are going to be different. And sure enough, they were. That's and it's um, amazing. Yeah. So I, and I, I think that that's just because in the rea in reality, if I'd kept going the, on that path of doing things independently, I'm not sure we'd still be a band um, because I think I would have just given up just based on just the loneliness of it's just hard to do, to carry all those different pieces and do them on your own. And yes, we're a band. Everyone has different jobs, but we've also, you know, because we don't go out for months at a time, we all, except for me, everyone does other jobs and does different things too. And that's been a help, healthy way for us to maintain balance so that we can keep doing this long-term. But yeah, you get those moments every now and then where it just feels like complete 
failure. And then God gives you some perspective and hindsight that just shows you like, it was, it was some failure in there, but it was necessary to, to learn and kind of have the perspective that allowed us to even enter into that relationship with integrity. Wow. So uh, as you look back on it, you can look back on it, a process that God was taking you on that journey. And it uh, right. sounds like it's been a great one. So, um, so, so that, that is, that is fantastic. So we've got one more track to play from the EP. Um, we, we said the name earlier, it's a thousand shores. Tell, tell us about a thousand shores. That is, that's a song that was written with, um, a woman named Leslie Jordan. She was a part of All Sons and Daughters, and she wrote Great Are You, Lord, which is a great big it's a song that many churches have sung over the years. Very, very humble, incredible writer. Another guy, um, Jack Mooring, who he was, he is the brother of Leland Mooring, and he was a part of Leland for a lot of years. And this was sort of one of my first times writing with both of them, and I wasn't sure what that was going to be like. For so many years, I'd pretty much only ever written with the same people, and most of it was just me writing or uh, Brian in the band, we wrote a lot together. And so we got together and Leslie sat, sat down at the piano and was like, just said, I, I started, this thing came to me today. I don't know if what you guys think of this. And she sat down and sang the, what, what is the chorus of a thousand shores. And Jack and I were just like, this is incredible. Wow. <laughs> and, it, and it was really cool how I hadn't shared with them at all about just this thread of wanting to write about imagination and write it, write about just the process of, of allowing ourselves to sit in the tension of what we don't know, but also in relationship with God still. And we just wound up writing these lyrics that I just, I really love um, that just highlight the fact that we're known uh, by God and we see the evidence of that, but we're also, if we're be in a, if we're willing to it can be a pretty overwhelming and beautiful place to get to where you just are saying like, it's hard to imagine how good you are like it's actually hard for me to fully grasp how good you are and that's really what that song is getting at it's just kind of sitting in all you give my eyes the light to see you give my lips the words to speak you give my That was A Thousand Shores by Citizens. And thank you so much to Zach Bolan for joining us for the artist interview today. I hope you enjoyed and were encouraged and blessed by that. Even though some of the topics there are quite tricky and painful talking about struggles within church, uh, I hope that actually overall you can see definitely from what Zach has shared, uh, actually God has continued to reveal more of his love and his plans. And the band coming out of it has been obviously such a blessing to so many just to talk about blessings to so many. I hope that you enjoy these programs and getting to know the artists a little bit more deeply. Uh, there are many other artists uh, that you can listen to from the artist interview. Just go to your favorite podcast platform and search up the artist interview. Uh, and I hope that they will bless you. And also maybe feel free to subscribe and share it with a friend as well. So the news of it gets out. God bless you.
some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.